Hi, and welcome to another episode of Wine and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang, and you're listening to the TL Podcast, where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. Welcome to Jason, everyone. Everyone who's yeah. watching. <laughs> Our special guest, Jason Platt, good mate of mine, has a small business in Sydney in, near Ray Sutherland. Um, and I thought I'd get him on and talk about um, talk about a few things, but I think we might talk about our wine. Or good intro, wine. mate. Well done. That was good. Uh, <laughs> always leave it to Denala, mate. That's all right. <laughs> What's our topic? Where do you want to go? You want to go news or you want to go wine? Where do you want to go? We want to go uh, let's do wine go. first. Let's go wine go. first. Wine first. All right, wine first. Okay, so wine We're all first. thirsty. So all bar one of us is drinking the same bottle today. Um, the guys are so grateful. Um, I, I lost the competition last round, so I had to buy everybody a bottle. So they got a lovely bottle of Forrester's Estate 2022 Chardonnay. Rubbish. They all can't wait. a different one. Drink. Mine doesn't say lovely. Just... <laughs> uh, uh, see what Mom I mean? Says... <laughs> They're hard budge to please. What'd you Magic get, Jake? Mushrooms, Magic Mushrooms Farm from Canberra. <laughs> what are you I drinking, thought, Jake? I thought okay. we won. Yeah, so what I got, I got the um the squirrely pig, right? And it says here paired nicely with, with lamb. And I thought, well, I'm gonna be a lamb amongst the wolves tonight. So I thought I'd get that one. It's quite suitable. So no, that's that's usually Chris. So, <laughs> so cheers for that. Welcome. Cheers, mate. guys. Cheers. Welcome, Jason. Can Cheers. we change our rules before we get going? If you lose, you actually have to buy a decent bottle of wine and not. What's wrong with this? Have you tasted it? Yes. When? I can't say. I may, yes. have, I may, have, to, I may have had to go and buy another bottle. <laughs> so the rubbish that you're drinking. Because when someone, we never confirmed whether we were tasting this tonight. My bottle only lasted about 12 hours from the time I got home. <laughs> Do you know what, guys, though? I'm not a big Chardonnay drinker. You guys know. You can tell. <laughs> I I thought I would get Chardonnay because I knew you guys all did. Um, I had about 15 minutes spare one day to jump on an order, so I did. And this is what you've got. So I'm Thank glad you so much. And we can feel. Thank you, Lou. You're welcome. Cheers. This counts Cheers. as your first loss for the next round too, because it's only a three point nine on Bavino. So, um, Cheers. Already down one. You're already down. You're already down. <laughs> anyway, it's actually not bad. It's not a bad drop. I, I, it, do you know the thing? The reason why I chose it, um, it might not rate high on Bavino, but when I, the site that I was looking on had something like four hundred reviews, and they were all five star, and I thought, well. If that many people think it's that good, doesn't always mean you have to spend a hundred bucks to get a good wine. You we're know, all from wine. Look at the winery. Yeah, we're all from wine. <laughs> anyway, anyway, what's news? What's this news? Is that fancy like? stuff. <laughs> the lid. <laughs> Chardonnay. He's on fire. <laughs> all right, let's unleash. What's you. in the news? Do you want to do dead Russians? He's John, not, he's not dead dead. Russians, John Farnham, the voice. should be dead. John Farnham's, the only, John Farnham's the only voice I vote for. I'm actually sending him back a picture of him and saying, 
<laughs> I've got my voice. It's probably the only voice we know anything about. I'm, I am. I'm going to mail back a photo of John Farnham and say, got you sorted. Thank you. It should be going copyright, uh, like infringement against the government. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna send out three they're gonna be Guy Sebastian, Delta Goodrum, and some and, and Boy George sitting on a panel of the boys. <laughs> the only thing that I <laughs> the only thing that I know about the voice is that no one knows anything about the voice. That's all I know. Um, anybody here knows something about the voice? Nothing. No, I read the pamphlet. No, I didn't. I got my wife to read the pamphlet. So I still know nothing about the voice. No, and I've spoken to a lot of people like Bruce in my office. He's big on this stuff and he likes getting right into it and he reads all the fine detail. He came to work this morning and he said, I read it front to back and I still have no idea what the voice is about. So we'll see. Which is probably a fair indication, right? Yeah. If, if, you, if you don't know, all I understand is they're going to change the constitution. Mm. Well, um, Albo was uh, back dead on last night on the current affair. I don't know if you saw that, but... Um... Um, he was getting some hard questions there, and I don't think he was winning too many votes. Mm. Oh, well. Mm. well, one country that it went through in uh, went through hard questions on a current affair. Where did he put the trolleys? Because that's usually all they talk about is where. The... <laughs> <laughs> <Did> he... <laughs> the voice, the vote, the voice was uh, it was voted through New Zealand a few years back, and it, the people I've spoken to said it shouldn't have gone through. It's been a detriment to the country, not an improvement, unfortunately. So. Yeah. Oh, is that, is that since then that uh, every uh, plate on the road, every road sign's got the, both languages, Maori and, and in English? And they argue about who's at the top, small things like that, who's which one's written first on the sign. There's a lot of other things as well, but just small things like that. And uh, it goes into a lot of policies getting passed with uh, permission and, and being vo voting rights and policies that are being passed and so forth. And, um, I've spoken to a few people live in New Zealand, and I haven't heard uh, I haven't any heard any benefits um, for it passing. So, uh, I but you might have enough trouble reading. I think that I think the government's government's being uh, vague on purpose, um, and hoping everyone will just jump on the bandwagon. But you will, I think it'll be the opposite. I think I think Australians are a lot smarter than the government's giving credit for it at the moment. I already have enough trouble reading speed signs, mate, according to my license. So I don't if they put it, <laughs> they put it in a different language, I'm screwed. I don't know about you, but have you guys have you guys seen this new thing where apparently they can the, the, the councils will drive past parallel parking and they take take pictures of their licenses and they will just come back an hour later if it's now parking and just find everyone that's still there. It's been around for about in the cars anymore. Been around yeah, yeah. for about 10 years, mate. Oh, I've never been booked that way, so I wouldn't know, mate. So they're doing that but, in Pori, Chris. Right, big hands up if you got a four percent pay rise in the last month or twelve months. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. You oh, did. did I? Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so Thomas alluded. You alluded to it before, but you're wrong, TL. It wasn't politicians, mate. RBA staff, the Reserve Bank of Australia staff have just been offered and rejected a 4% pay rise because it's not enough. Mm. The Reserve yeah. Bank of Australia, who's just sent everyone to the wall, have all been offered a 4% pay rise and said, no, not enough. Mm. Yeah. 
I don't even know where to go with it apart from John Farnham. <laughs> You're the ones trying to understand it. If they need finance, tell them to go see Jay. He'll sort them out. Yeah, good one. What world, are, what world are we living in? And how can they expect anyone to take anything seriously? So interest rates have bumped up 7%. Mm. They've been offered a 4% pay rise while everyone else is struggling to rub two cents together. Mm. And they've said no. So while I might be ungrateful for not drinking this swill that Louise has sent us as a trophy, <laughs> If there's a definition of ungrateful, it might lie somewhere there. Cool. Between Cam and the Reserve Bank. And then they're going to come out and say, oh, there's been no real wage growth and that's why we've got to keep interest rates where they are. Oh, no, well, there's been no wage growth. They're saying no to a pay rise when they've just sent everyone broke. No, so, so hold on, hold on. So, Cam, you're sure that the federal MPs did not get a 4% pay rise? If they did, it was very um, coincidental because the RBA has been offered the same. Uh, if, if you put it in the news, you'd see it, mate. Uh, it's pretty big. Reserve Bank, actually, oh, it just got worse. Reserve Bank staff reject 10.5% pay rise offer, saying it doesn't address the cost of living. Oh. They caused. Well, thank God we do have some. They someone. caused the problem. We, we may have to ask you a question about it, right? Yes. So let's, let's get into our subject for the week. Chris? All right. Guys, our subject for the week is, are our futures chosen for us or by us? Mm. And uh, I asked Jason on because Jason's got a very interesting story. He's a good mate of mine, as I said before. Um, he's got a big heart, uh, top bloke. and uh, But his story is, and I didn't realise how great his story was until a couple of years back when we sat down, we had a good lunch. I don't know how many beers we had that day, but... Um, very interesting story, Jay. You want to share us, tell us about yourself and all your background and, mate, we'll ask you questions as you go along and sort of, you know, pick on you. That's all right. It's all, mate. It's all good. So, um, all right. So where do I start? So basically, um, born and bred in um, in Leichhardt, in the inner west there in Sydney. So um, that's where I'm from. Um, my parents are there as well. What's that? Tiger supporter. Tigers, mate. Tragic. Oh, so we're that's we're Tigers, not West. Tigers, there's a difference there, you know. So Leichhardt wasn't back then. Leichhardt was wasn't what it is today, right? No, nah, mate. It was um, mate. It was like a bit like well, Balmain. Look at Balmain. So I went to Balmain um, school in Balmain. Went to school in Leichhardt. But back then, it was a real hardworking Aussie battler type of an area, right? So I don't know if you know Leichhardt, but that's the way it was. Today, it's you know a million dollar row there, you know. So. Completely different contrast, but um, dock, dock workers and stuff like that, Wolf, yeah. Wolfman and stuff, all that sort of um, yeah, that's right, yeah, that's right. So, so now it's it's different because everyone you know it's close to the city, you got city views, there's water around. So yeah, but uh, back then it was just you know it's just normal average, I suppose. But um, yeah, so that's where I was, I, I've I've come from. But uh, four brothers. Um, you know, my parents didn't have much at all. You know, like they had my 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 parents had four boys at the eight. My mum was twenty three and my dad was um twenty one. He had, had had four boys, so they had a, you know, like had had me and thought this is all right and backed it up for another three. You know, so and then from there they just there was no no way they could get a foot in the door. So they rented all their lives. Um, uh, when my nan and my grandparents passed away, they sort of squatted into their their place for a while and. 
and we stayed there for you know 15 years so um that's that's predominantly where where i've come from and and no money like um my mum and dad my dad worked my mum sort of drifted in and out but it was mainly um mainly my dad so one income feeding six mouths you know so um you know not easy but and then on top of that unfortunately both my parents were um heavy smokers and and big drinkers you know so uh, a lot of their um their their income i suppose went went into that but uh, I had a lot of freedom. So growing up, I'd know, I, had, I had a lot of freedom. So when they used to say, you know, you know, back in the day, come back back home from the streets when the lights go on, but we could stay out till lights went out the next morning, you know. So we had a lot of freedom there. So very fortunate in that that way. Um, do, you, do you reckon it was freedom or do you reckon it was lack of discipline? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and it's it's probably the discipline side, to be honest with you. Um you know, I look at how I raise my kids. There's no way that they would have had that 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 freedom that I have. No way. Um, but you know, probably you know a bit of both. Easy. You know, today what happens with kids today? You know, their their babysitters are iPads and phones. You know, back in my day, you're out in the your BMX skateboarding and and running around the streets. You know, so different, but the same. You know, so that was you know easy babysitting back then, and today it's the the iPads and the tech. So um, you know, I don't know what's worse, you know, the stuff, the crap that's on tech today or being out in the streets playing with your mates and, and building those friendship and bonds, you know. So it's all different. I, I say to my kids now, you know, get out get out in the streets and go play with their mates. And they say to me, Dad, we are playing with our mates, but it's only on the screen as opposed mm. to physically being out there running around and playing handball and footy and, and all that sort of stuff. They just, it's just not happening. So yes. it's the same but different, but it's just a new world. But you know, we had that freedom, so yeah, that that was it for us. My dad had had a couple of good jobs, you know, nothing big, but um, nothing nothing that was going to define um, them buying a property. They didn't they didn't buy their first property until I was thirty, and it was basically they sold the the place they inherited to to move up the Central Coast, you know. So they never once really worked, saved, went hard put it together, a few little sacrifices to put a deposit together to buy a place. You know, they they didn't they didn't do that. So they and and you know maybe that's a bit of a reflection on me. I like I said I have three brothers, but that was a that was a big one for me because you know where I came from and looking at some of my friends and and their parents had homes and pools and you know lived in Haberfield, a bit more choices, a bit more a bit more toys, I suppose, but um completely different. So um, you know, that sort of planted to see that I didn't want to go down the path of having nothing. I want to have some choices when I get older. But Jace, wasn't there a point when you were growing up that the the family home had no back wall? Yeah, and so they had like that for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, this again, you know, my mum and dad they couldn't afford to renovate or do anything like that. So there was a time there where. Um, the back door fell off and we thought, you know what, that's let a lot more light in. So we just took out the whole wall and um, we never had back walls, nothing. We had dogs and the dogs were the security of that. So in winter it was cold. So we had a, because back in Leichhardt too, you had the old fireplaces. So, you know, you're cutting up the old fence posts to put in the fireplace to keep the house warm, but the back door was always open, you know. So it was unreal. And then there was a, you know, it sounds bad, but, if I had my time again, I wouldn't change it because I know that if I change one thing, it would not potentially put me where I am today. So there's no way that I'll be changing anything. I had a, 
it was great. Freedom, I was very fortunate too, because where we lived, we had a house that was Manan's and then my grandparents, and then they had two blocks of land next door in Leichhardt. So that's worth an absolute fortune today. But, you know, we had that freedom where, uh, you know, no back door, big fences at the front, and um, it was just great. So, yeah, so that happened. And, um, yeah, it was, I remember one time my brother, he was 13, 14, you know, young kids, teenagers, he's having a, he's having a smoke in his bedroom, and uh, he fell asleep. The bed caught fire and it was like the whole ceiling all went black. We're all rushing in. Dave, Dave, you all right? And um, anyway, my mum's walked in. It was all, you know, put the fire out, a few blankets, pillow got burnt, but the ceilings were black. And um, I remember mum saying, my mum saying, geez, that's all right. You don't see any dirt anymore with the black ceiling. So she put <laughs> black paint and just painted all the ceilings all black. You <laughs> never saw any of the dirt anymore. So it was, just, it was just stuff like that. And, you know, you reflect on it and you go far out. They were good, good days. And, you know, my kids don't see any of that because we've taken that struggle away, right? So we, so, yeah. uh, that was going to be my question, Jay. So we can break down the journey as we go, but what do you do now? Where, where have you ended up? And we can work backwards, essentially. Yeah, okay. So... I run a finance company now. I've got a team that we've got here in the office here. Um, so we, you know, we, I'm a mortgage broker, uh, but also too, we run property investment nights as well. So we sort of, I wouldn't say the one-stop shop, but what we do is that with our clients, especially, you know, uh, clients that have a, an appetite to build property portfolios, that's predominantly where with the space we play. Uh, whether you're a first home buyer, or you're a uh, you you know you got ten properties and continuing to build your property portfolio, you know we're, we're, that's 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 the field we're in, um, and and our clients you know we take them along that journey and and one thing I learned in in, in and I'll talk a lot about this as we go um, from where I was to where I am it all came down to one thing and it was education you know it was just changing our headspace that uh, I remember years ago you know education's no weight to carry. So with that in mind, it was all about turning around and go, okay, um, what, what have I done? What can I do with clients that are coming to us that are in their 20s and early 30s that want to get a, a footprint and get a property? It's not transactional. We don't treat anyone that we service or anyone that we deal with. It's not like buying a coffee where it's transactional. We work with them on that journey. And, you know, 25 years in the game, you know, I've helped clients build one property to, you know, 20, 25 properties, significantly change their life. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I am at the moment. Um, I'm, a property investor. I'm a property investor. I've been investing in property for, for over 25 years. I love it. Um, I, knew, I knew from the get-go I wanted to have credibility, not just talk the talk. I wanted to walk the walk as well so that clients can see what we're doing um, and, and how we've leveraged and geared and and that changed. So from you know 30 years ago to where we are today, obviously we can break that down. But there's 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 a lot of a lot of building blocks along the way to to where we are today. So um, I've got three kids: um, Bayem and Ryan, 18, sorry, 19, 16, and and 15. Um, you know, one more at school. Um, you know, they I've always tried to have the kids a little bit street smart, a little bit more savvy. Um, and you know, it's starting to you see that in the kids now, so which is great. Um, yeah, so there you go. So there was so you went from 
So you're in Leichhardt, you've got no back wall, which is great for a bit of backyard footy. Um, yeah. Nothing yeah. to run into. You're older, you leave school, you had three. You can't break it up, Sam. Which direction did the four of you go in? Sorry, mate. So you had three brothers? Yeah, yeah. So I've got yeah, so three brothers, and you got to a leaving school age. Yep. Which direction did you all go in? How did what? Okay, so so what I did when I left was I had a couple of goals of what I wanted to do, but I remember my all I wanted, and it sounds um, materialistic. I just wanted to be rich. That that's the truth of it all. I remember when I was at school, everyone on their final day at school, you're walking down and they're saying. You know, Chris Denali wants to be a real estate agent. Uh, someone else wants to be, you know, a, a tradie and a sparky. And I just, my one was, I just wanted to be rich because I, I had I had some friends that were quite, their parents were quite wealthy. They had a different lifestyle to me. And um, and I just I didn't know what path I was going to take. I knew I wanted to be a builder. At the start, I wanted to be a builder and a farmer. There were, there were two things I thought, you know what, at the end of the day, I could build a home, make it nice, and then and that, that's a foundation. So when I left school, I actually went straight up to my uncle's farm that was up in Gloucester at the Upper Hunter Valley there. And I worked as a farmhand for um, 12 months, saved saved everything I could because you're on a farm, there's no way to spend money. And when I came back, I said, right, I've matured a bit more because I left at, um, you know, uh, 15 and a half, 16, left school and came back, saved all my dollars, which was about four and a half grand. And uh, when I got back, I said, right, I'm going to start working with a few mates who were parents or builders. So I thought I'd try and get a uh, kickstart on that. When I got back, I thought I had enough money to buy, you know, a little car. And my mum says, I said, mum, what's going on? There's no power. And she said, no, the electricity bill got cut off last month. Okay. How much is the bill? And we go, oh, it's 2000 but we don't have the money. Far out. Can't swear on this, so I'll, I'll try and be nice. If I do slip out, that was a long time ago, Jay. Right? That was a long, that was a long time ago. Oh, shit. Okay, mum. Well, give me the bill, but we need. Well, I had to swear. You've just got to shout us lunch, and yeah. <laughs> anyway, and I said, only about two grand a pop. Yeah, give me the give me the bill. But this is going from the car. Like, what's going on? And anyway, they, they're living in candles, so the candles in the house, no power. And then the next question is, well, what about how they cooking? They had, they had gas bottles from a cooking camper that I had, and that's how they're cooking dinner, right? So it was just it was just mad, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, shelled out there, paid the bill, and then obviously the water bill's coming, and I'm getting all these bills from my mum. I'm going, Mum, I'm going to have no money, you know, like, you know. So anyway, that all went, and I was straight away I thought, this is it. I've got to go hard, and anyway, I started my apprenticeship, and um, I was a carpenter. Building, right? Carpentry, yeah, right? Yeah, carpenter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because remember, I want to get in the carpentry and building so I can build a house. Then I've got a foundation and I will have a back wall, right? So anyway, um, so I got on the apprenticeship and um, just started started working. But one of the good things I got from my uncle up on the farm was one thing I'll always do, I've got a high work ethic. So we'll start in a 5A in the morning finishing at, you know, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning uh, on being on the cattle truck. And that's milking cows, chasing beef cattle in the scrub, doing ring barking, clearing, um, then in the cattle truck. So my work ethic at a young age was really high. So um, that, that was one of the key 
I suppose, pillars that was in my DNA. So when I got into carpentry, I had no problems working overtime, chasing, um, doing the Saturday Sundays if I could, and, and, and doing that. So that's sort of where I came from, from the background. But along there, along your journey, you meet some key people. Um, so when I finished my trade, I did the Albie Mangles thing, and I, I went around Australia for a year and a half, and I came back, and I had no money. And then I said, right up. Now I'm a tradie and I started working for myself. And um, I met this guy, uh, this couple, Gordon and Greta, who are ama they were amazing. He was a he was a developer. Uh, he was retired. I'm starting my career. He's ending his. And I ended up starting working with him for a while. Um, but he had one thing he instilled in me was vision. Just think big and chase it. Just chase it. So anyway, I worked with him for a couple of years. And, and I suppose the fork in the road for me was I met this lady called um, Mrs. Roach, Shirley Roach, her name was. She owned a company years and years ago called Sales Pursuit. This was, the, this was one of those major um, turning, turning forks in the road. Anyway, she gave me a couple of tickets um, and got me along to... She Anthony. You're going too fast here, Jace, because I know this story because I've grilled you on it. Hang on. Well, so pull, me her, pull me up. Pull me up. You're working on her house, right? Yeah. She what rang. What did she say to you? Hey. What did she say to you? Okay. She was on... Yeah. So anyway, she rang me up. So I put a little ad in the um, local rag there and uh, in the paper for for carpentry and and maintenance and building and stuff. And she rang me up to build a decking for uh, sorry a pergola. Anyway, I come out, went out, we um, did 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 the pergola, and. Um, she said, Jason, you're working too hard. You've got to learn to work smart, not hard. And, 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 and you, need to, you need to sort of think outside the box because what you're doing is great, but you've got to sort of change your track of thought. And she owned this company called Sales Pursuit. So she said, come along to an event and um, it'll be great to have you. Anyway, I go, oh, yeah, I'm thinking the event maybe a couple of hours. Anyway, I went for five days and the event was with Anthony Robbins. So anyway, I went along and uh, that was the didn't you, big... Didn't, didn't you sit down for coffee before the event and Anthony Robbins was there and you didn't even know who it was? Yeah, so along this, uh, Mrs. Roach came up and said, oh, Jason, I want you to meet someone. Now, I don't know who these great speakers are of the world, right, because I'm still cutting my... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway... She said, I want you to meet, uh, meet a, a friend of mine. I said, oh, you know, no worries. Anyway, I'm shaking this plate. He says, my name's Anthony. Call me Tony. Anyway, I said, oh, I'm Jason. We're talking away. And she goes, you know who that is? I said, no, I don't have a clue. And anyway, it was Anthony Robbins. And um, anyway, we've had coffee and, 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 and so forth. And in, in breaks, I had the opportunity to, to spend time with him. It was just a game changer. And then that was a five-day course. The first three days was with Anthony or Tony. And then... The next two days was a wealth mastery course. Now, this is starting to really feed into going back to what we're saying is, is a future chosen for us or by us? Now, I'm starting to say, you know what? I don't have to live my past to make my past the future because this was the first major step in that direction. So anyway, through that, me and Mrs. Roach, I'll call her Mrs. Roach for respect. She was an amazing lady. She then said, come along, Jace. I've got Brian Tracy. I want you to meet Brian Tracy. He's got an event. So all of a sudden, I'm meeting Brian Tracy, Anthony Robbins, Tom Hopkins. Um, I met McGrath, John, 
uh, coming through. So I'm meeting all these amazing people. And then she said, and she's always saying, work smart, Jason, work smart. And then from there, that was the, that was the time that I got into finance. So I really started sort of saying, you know what, maybe I, I might have to start looking outside the realm of what I thought I wanted to do, but I could loop back around. So I got into finance and really started to knuckle down in the finance sector. And through that, through all that, I started to learn a couple of things. One is gearing, leverage, um, and really started to look at return, rate of return, investing. And that was really, the, the I suppose, the platform that started to set me up going forward. How, how, how about your siblings? How they how they've been going? How are they what? Sorry, Tom? You have three brothers. Yeah, so I got three did brothers. They, did they also go to see Mrs. Roach's friends? No. So I got two, they're all younger. So I've got um two twin brothers. I've got twin brothers and then a the younger one. So unfortunately, what's taken place with that is that um this is I've got uh, I'll just use Dave. So Dave, he went they David and Simon. Dave went through the insurance journey. So he's a, a big underwriter for a national or global company at the moment, extremely successful, um, done ex exceptionally well in the insurance industry. Simon, my brother, he's in real estate. He, he worked for Ray White for, um, for years and years and years in the eastern suburbs. And he was the one who introduced me to Gordon and Garita, the, the, the developers. So they gave me that vision. And then um, I've got my youngest fella, um, Daniel. Well, he's gone on the wrong side of the rock. So he went down the generational path, which is he's young, left school at 13, go back to freedom, goes back to what you're saying, denial about discipline and, and so forth. He left way too young, way too young, um, 13, got a, came a baker, lost all, um, just left out of that, hit drugs real hard, basically became a, became a criminal. So his, his journey's not one that I'll be promoting. So he's now, he's, he's got multiple kids with multiple women, just a, just a, a path that, and, and you know what, I'll look at that and I'll say to my kids, this, this is the, this is the sliding door moment, you know, like same blood, same, same DNA, same roof we came out of, just two different visions of what we wanted for our future and the future yeah. of our families. And unfortunately, Dan, as much as I love him as a brother, there was a time there we didn't speak for, for nearly 10 years because every time I seen him, it was too, it was too off his face. And there's no way I wanted that crap around my kids. So I, unfortunately, you know, you're going to make some tough decisions in your life. And that was one of the tough ones I had to make where you cut your own brother from your family because of the, the, the bullshit that's going to go on. And I didn't want that through my kids. Mm, mm, yeah mm. so and, and he's still lost he's still he's out there but you know what I had I caught up with him at Christmas last year he's got three beautiful kids I don't know how they've come out of this 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 garbage but they're, they're great kids so we'll see where that leads but um yeah unfortunately um that's just the you know four brothers four different corners in the world um yeah so but anyway that's uh that's where they're all placed at the moment, but um, yeah. And, and Jason, you know, was, mm -hmm. you were speaking before about, you know, you wouldn't change a thing from your upbringing because it's made you who you are now, right? Yeah. How are you going to help your children, your three kids? Because I know how highly and how much work you put into all of them. Yeah. How are you going to help them 
get the same lesson without going through the same hell, uh, for want of a better word. And instill, because I know, mate, everything you've said is honest. And you've said, you know, you've got an outstanding work ethic and you still have, right? That's what you learned it. How are you going to instill that into it? You know what? That's, that's, that's hard because, you know what? They've all got their own journeys in life, you know? So they're all going to have to... You can, I can only lead by example. So my ex-wife, Kim, is another high performer. She's an extremely high performer. And, um, and we can only... We can only lead by example, you know, like we every time and, and it's even their friends. So their friends that they they hung out with, it's like there's an old saying, don't water the weeds. So we're plucking the weeds out from the kids, you know, trying to get them in good, good, good friends, good groups. Um, so you know, it's it's that power of association there, Chris. They've never met Chris. When did you start working with the intellectually challenged? I don't think you've given yourself enough rap for you. You know what, uh, Jason? Jace was the one who convinced Rita to send our kids to a different school, actually. So our kids share the same school, or actually still do. Because one of I see you're Rita's friend and, and Chris. <laughs> getting community, I, I just, I'm getting tagged along. bloke we have coffee with of a morning. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, just, I just want to go back a little bit because it's very interesting. I, 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 uh, I just wanted to know did you, why was it that? Three of the four boys, bred and and going through the same things, seeing the hardship from same parents. Is it is it because you guys went through hardship and went? I don't want that. And the last one was maybe spoiled by mum or dad. You know what, Thomas, you've nailed it. The youngest one in my eyes was the golden-headed child. So unfortunately, got away. What got slept on, uh, swept under the carpet. Um, but you know what, to be fair, there was no way, no way in hell was I going to go through this earth and, and be looking over my shoulder for a dollar. You can shove that. that. That was just not in my DNA. I wanted to know that if I was going to bring kids, have a family in this world, I wanted to give them some choices in life. You got to be careful because there's a fine line between spoiling them and then spoiling too far, they go off the rails, right? Because I, I don't have the magic number. I, I don't know what the magic is for that. You know, I look at... I look Three at dollars. No? $3, I've decided. $3. <laughs> That's the magic number. So, so, so the, 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 you know, I, look, I look at other people and I go, oh, yeah, they've got such great kids. They get, they've, they've, they've started their careers. And, you know, I, I, I'm very competitive. So I do compare myself to others. And I do that even with clients. Every, every day I'm seeing a client, you know, you're saying, oh, okay, we've, we've done okay. And that's just that competitive streak in us, right? So um, to get the kids where they're right, you know, you try and you try and weed, weed the, the crap out. But unfortunately, this is what I was saying before. And you ask yourself, who are your influences when you grow up? For me, it was my grandparents, and indirectly was my parents. Right today, it's this garbage. You know, it's all the phones, the stuff on this. They're on socials. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. There's so much stuff going in. Unfortunately, the influence that maybe mum and dad may have is is getting smaller and smaller. And, and how do you control that? I don't know. But all I can do is lead by example. Both Kim and I lead by example. And um, and hopefully um, they see that and have a bit of drive. And that's why we bought the, That's why we got a farm. One of the reasons we bought a farm years and years ago was that I wanted them to, to see that by trading cattle, buying and selling and breeding cattle, when you go to the sale yards, learn how to negotiate, learn to appreciate the work and ethic and the value that you put into it to get the rewards. So when you take it to market, 
whether it be cattle, whether it be property or in real estate, what can you do to, to upgrade the value of what you've got to sell it, to make a profit, to move on to the next thing? So, you know, we um, that's one of the reasons why the farm was there. Gave them independence, um, gave them, there's a, you know, just stuff that they could learn to use in the real world. So, and get it choices out from the city and the country. That's what we wanted. Yeah, it's great. I, um, Jace, just thinking back to your story, I, I think we possibly grew up in the same household, to be honest. I have a very similar story to you. But what's sort of sticking in my mind is when you said you left when you were leaving school, you just wanted to be rich. For me, did you did you know what rich was or did you just want a different lifestyle at that point? Is is that the like it's easy to say you just wanted to be rich because you know I think about that myself. I didn't have the words. All I knew I didn't want to go forward and bring kids and everything else into the world the way that I had been brought into the world and what I went through. So is that sort of is that do you think the turning point for mm. you? Did you know back then that young that it was just you didn't want to bring you wanted to break the chain? Mm. When I say rich, rich in choices. Yeah. So I wanted I wanted that um if I want to go out and take take see I, I find the best time for me to connect with my kids is when we're out for dinner away from home there's no phones there's no garbage there's no nothing I've got three bodies and myself and we just talk and we talk and we talk yeah now if I was if I was struggling for a dollar and hadn't laid the foundations early on in years I probably wouldn't have that choice to do that so that kids recently, Jay. Where did you take your kids recently? Yeah, so just only two weeks ago, we got back from Cape York. So we we drove up to Cape York. Well, I drove to Cape York. They flew in. We spent three and a half weeks off grid. Um, again, no, there's no tech up there. It's unreal. And mate, I, I can see you now the stuff that they open up with. It's very awkward because what happens is we're driving for hours. So the first hour, everyone's trying to work out. You talk the low-lying fruit garbage, right? And you're going, then, then it gets into the next level, the depth, and the depth gets deeper and deeper because we're all in a car driving and we're looking at scene when we start talking about, okay, and what do you want to do with your life, love? Yeah, I want to do this. And then Bailey, Bay, because Bay, my son, the old son wanted to get into acting, so he's done acting for the last two years. So then it's like, well, okay, let's, let's talk about what are you going to do when you get back because you're starting to drift on that a little bit. You know, we talk about, you know, starting to do some stuff he shouldn't be doing. He's 19. He's The world's free. His oysters opened up and here he goes. And it's like, and you know what? The best the best conversations was not me saying it. It was his brother and sister saying it. Yeah. Bailey, you need to get you need to get back and get a job. Get on the phone. Start talking. If you're going to do a trade, you need to start phoning people up. Get your diary set up. You need to know what you're going to do. You need to have a routine in the morning, Bay. And when you sort that out in the afternoon, you... I'm not saying any of this, but this is what I believe the kids are seeing their parents do. And all of a sudden, they're telling each other this. If I'm saying it, it's not going to happen. It's not true. But if each other are saying it, it's true. So that's that third-party endorsement, I think, with the kids. And, um, you know, that they're the conversations we had because we were locked in in the middle of nowhere on the top of Australia, and it was just unreal. Really good. Mm. I, I like to go back a little bit, yes? I'm, yeah, so, I, I, I'm sure that your children, like my children, they don't know what hell means. No. But, but you you say that you you obviously believe that you design your future, I get. But then in many ways you said, I wouldn't want to change a bit of what has happened to me. 
because I I'm scared of changing things. So is there maybe some level of determinism in in there too that you know maybe the uh, future has been designed for us? Yeah. So sometimes I think and reflect because you look at your kids. Has everyone got kids here? Everyone got kids? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I look at my kids and I think. The little buggers, they're bloody, they're spoiled, you know. Like I never had a mobile phone and they go, Dad, but there were no mobile phones when you were around. Yeah, I know, but I didn't have this, this stuff, you know. Like anyway, and I and I sometimes I reflect and I say to myself, not just to myself, I wish I'd I wish I'd lived in a crappy old fibro out in the middle of nowhere, and you guys would really appreciate you'd have to plant your food, harvest your food, cook your food, and then you might appreciate what you got. But the trouble is we're, um, there was a great saying and I, I lived with it for years. It was don't deprive your children the opportunity of struggle. And I've got to tell you, I've actually taken that opportunity to a degree away. So mm. that resilience, I don't know. So um, for me, the determination was I just wanted, going back to being rich and so forth, was choices. I wanted choices. Mm. If, I want to go, if I want to go away, I want to go away. I don't want to be going to the bank, borrow money for a personal loan to fund a holiday that has no appreciation, no asset growth, no nothing. But that comes back to education, understanding that using money as a tool. It's counterintuitive though, right? You, as parents, we don't to sit there and go, I want my kid to struggle. Like, what are you doing? Down a nursery, yeah. Hey? Like we all, we all have the, we all have the same opinion. Like oh, we're all at different ages here and different stages, but we all are of the same opinion as Jay. I'm sure uh, that they got it too easy, and back when I was growing up, and all that kind of stuff. But none of us would let our kids go through it, would we? If we had the no. choice of, of I've done the work to put myself in a position where my kids won't have to go through it. Mm. Versus I've done the work and got myself out of the shit and I've driven a path. I'm going to let my kids go through the same shit and see and hope they don't end up like the younger brother. None of us let us, none of them, none of us here would let them do it. No. Struggle for them. Like we go, oh, I'm going to take your phone off you. And then we deal with a three hour tantrum. My kids are a bit younger, right? That's right. <laughs> that's their struggle their struggle my kids biggest struggle at the moment is i've got a friend who's got three electric scooters and two playstations and you've only given me one that's their struggle but we still do it so we can talk i think we can talk all the high and mighty stuff we want but none of us have let our kids go through what you know and i i had a back wall right i'm not going to sit here and say i was poor as a child my parents gave me everything they possibly could. But I've also got a spoiled younger brother who's gone a completely different path and isn't in the position that I'm in now. And none of our none of us, honestly, would sit here and let you, you don't let your kids struggle. Taking them to Cape York on a trip, mate, that's not struggle. That's holy shit. My dad gets to take me to Cape York on a trip. Like that's hey, flies flies them up there, flies them back, and they're like they're like yeah. Oh geez, well done, Dave, yeah. for making your kids struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say this though, majority of people. Wouldn't have done a three-hour hard camping, like no amenity, shit behind a tree sort of trip. Majority of people would have stayed at a resort for two weeks in Cape York, turned around. That's not struggle. Don't try and polish it, Chris. I'm not I'm not polishing, I'm not polishing it. But what I'm saying is the lessons that the kids got during that trip with Jay, whether they got flown up and flown home and Jay had to drive 
and actually his car broke down on the way back. That's another story. But um, I think that lesson for them during that trip, living off the grid is a, is a fantastic thing. And I don't think a lot of kids today would experience that. No, no, but that's part of the, he's worked, Jace has worked himself into a point where he can do that. Right? The kids aren't probably going to appreciate that for another 10 years until their parents... No, but people at, people at Jason's them. position, I don't, don't think generally would do that. They would go the other option of the five-star resorts and so forth and so forth. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. So, uh, Jason, going, going back to you now, so you, you grew up with some poverty mindset. You grew out of that. You gave your, your children. But do you find that um, deep inside that part of you, that, that foundation still the same, even though now you're surrounded with more choices? You know what? It, um, I think it's branded in me. It's, it's, uh, I, I, it's, I'm branded. But, you, know, I, I, you know what? I often reflect on my past and, my, and, and that childhood. And I think far out. But you know what? Then I go, how good was it? You know? Mm. You know, we the, the the stuff we did as kids, like it was it was it was crazy stuff, you know, like just whatever we wanted, we had that freedom, you know, like I'm not saying my parents were passed out on the lounge, but you know, there's been times where I've had to pick them up and take them to bed, you know, there's been because they've just been out of it. So, but you know, that's just I wouldn't change that. You know what? That's what that's created me, the person I am. And would I change? Would I change change me now? No friggin' way would I. I mean, I, I, you know what? First thing is when the plane's going down, the first thing they say is grab the oxygen mark and and get yourself going so you're good to help others. That's what's made me the person I am today. So I would not change that. What would your younger brothers say though, Jake? Because it's easy, like not easy. When you, when you go the right path and you overcome it, you go, oh, it's made me the man I am today. Mm. When you go the wrong path and you don't overcome it, you go, it made me the man I am today. It's exactly the same answer, but one is who you described earlier and one is yourself. So mm. it, I think when you come out on the right side of the tracks, it's easy to go, oh, thank you for my childhood and thank you for this and thank you for that. When you're on the wrong side of the tracks, it goes from thanks to blame. Yes. Yeah, that's right. I agree with you. Yeah, we've all seen it. What do yeah. you think the difference is, Jace? What do you think the difference is in what Cam's saying? Why did you take right path and they take wrong path? Because I've got the same dynamic in my family and I have my thoughts about it. But what do you, and I'm the same. I would I would not change a thing of my life because of what it's made me today. Um, but there was tough times that you just that's think. The topic. That's the topic, right? That's right. I, I probably I probably disagree with you. I probably would. I'd love my father to be Bill Gates and my <laughs> mother to be the late uh, Queen Elizabeth. I think that my life probably would have been... Dead, mate, so that's a very nice thing. Uh, that's why I said the, the, the <laughs> that's, that's why I probably disagree with you. The, the problem sometimes is that we don't want to change it because we all have the fear of the unknown. Uh, most of us would rather deal with the, the, the entity we are now than maybe something that could have been worse. But I just want to go to the, uh, another thing here now, because you are in finance, and I'm sure that people are going to be asking, we passed COVID now. We've had like uh, over 12 months of interest rate rise. And I went on to the uh, nectar.com.au website where you are affiliated. And some of the ideas that you had, were two of them was uh, save money. And I think that was 0.6. And there was another one. How the hell do you save money when everything's so expensive now? And how do these kids are going to, I understand your first point was work hard or earn more, but 
but how what, what would be the advice you give these 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 kids now who probably you probably know are uh, living at home with their parents so that they can spend more money on on engagement rings you know what yeah, Thomas I'll, I'll say this what I'm seeing more and more a trend at the moment <laughs> sorry there was a Thomas against his family on that. Oh, that was bigger than my main bathroom. Oh. <laughs> Thomas's son just got engaged, and uh, yeah. and the ring, the ring could guide in the space shuttle. Seriously, I'm talking about Joel. I'm talking about Joel, guys. Right? <laughs> oh, Joel, Joel. <laughs> so, Jay, oh. question. So. What advice would you give to the young ones today? You know what, what I'm finding, and I, you guys been in the in the industry, you'll you'll see. I'm seeing more and more multi generational families living together. Yeah. So yeah. I've got clients that that are building houses now, and they got to allow for nan and pop, mum and dad, and then the teenagers with a teenage retreat. So all of a sudden, we've got three generation of families living in one roof. So, and this is, as you go out west, let's call it, you know, Oran Park, all that sort of area, as an example, I've done multiples where they've said, Jace, mum and dad are going to sell their place. That's going to help us be in a position to buy something a bit bigger. And then the kids are going to have theirs. So we're allowing for them for their future as well. And these are like six, seven bedroom houses. And, uh, and they've all got, you know, different areas i suppose where everyone can do a time out with two kitchens in it um so i'm seeing more and more of this as going back to your thing um thomas mate if you can't if the money's not there how are you going to save it i, I don't know how are you going to save that and and you talk about disposable income um today's world's all designed to bleed the cash flow and that is subscriptions that's your netflixes your stands your your mobiles your your data getting extra data and that's even before you start putting food on the table. And then at, at the moment, you're looking at, at, at food prices and, and so forth. It is getting harder. And I, I don't know what the answer is. You know, like it used to be, you know, maybe back in my day or a bit, bit older where you could live off one wage and a family of two or three mums at home raising the kids, they're gone. People have now got um, both mum and dad and they've got a part-time job on the side just trying to, trying to cut and make ends meet. And, and and I don't know, I don't have the answer, but everything's going uh, against the grain because we say that we're in tough times, rising prices, but yet property prices are still moving up in pockets, you know. So we've got high rates, prices unbelievable, um, you know, record prices going through on property and we've got prices of food, <laughs> unbelievable prices on food. Everything's just expensive. So I don't have the answer for you there, Thomas. But, but, but what I am seeing is... Mums and dads, and go around anywhere you want, even in my area. All of a sudden, the the, the old fibro garage that's been knocked down. They're putting the granny flat. That's a that's a studio, and that's allowing for mum and dad. I've got a client just that I spoke to last night. He worked for um, for a, a company for for all his life, forty years. Retired, sold their place, and all they had when they take out the loan was two hundred thousand left over. And then they used that and they said to their, their, their family, we need you guys to pull in and we're going to have to buy a home together. So they bought out at, um, out at Oran Park and they built a home. So they've got Nanapop. And you're ready for this. So Nanapop, mum and dad, their kids, and now they've got a sibling that's moved in as well. 
So right. all of a sudden, the, the sisters moved in as well with their partner and their family. So all of a sudden, because they can't afford it, the rent, the rent's too high. The rising rents that's going on. So you know what? I don't want to be. I don't want to be um, negative, Nelly. But the reality is, people need to turn around and start going. Okay, well, do we really need Netflix, Fox, Stan, or Prime, Amazon? Do we really need all of those? Copping 10, 15, 20 bucks a month coming out, there's 100 dollars 1200 bucks a year. Or can we look to redirect that into something else? And, you know, coffees, I mean, don't get me wrong, we're all professional, we all buy a coffee, get a coffee. But when I have clients and I, because we're in the finance industry, so when we get their statement now, we've got to assess their loan capacity, we see what their expenditure is. And it's for gambling accounts, mate. Watch out for gambling accounts. I'll do you every day of the week. I we had a client at a TAB account and was just tapping one or two bucks every a, a night. And I was just with his mates on the weekend. They might max out maybe 50, 80 bucks every weekend sports bet. Instead of going out to a nightclub, they just catch up and have a little punt with themselves. Did the loan declines. We had to re restructure it. They had to wait for six months. Then I said, guys, do you have a little bet on the weekend? Take it out in take it out cash. I don't want to see anything on the statement because that's going to decline it straight away because they're looking at habitual, habitual spending, gambling, no go zone, and that loan was automatically declined. So it's, there's things like this that the banks are really pulling up that are saying, you know what, do we really want this on the books? And the answer is no for a lot of that. So, you know, you talk well, about savings, Thomas, the savings is going to come back from a need and a want. They're two different and they're getting further and further apart. I think the... Um... The devil's in a lot of the detail of what you just said there, Jason. I, yeah. Words, not silence. I had a small house that was too... No, sorry, my internet's no good because I've cut back on subscription. Um, <laughs> he just... Oh, yeah, he's just... We've all had Savings. I think That's the devil's in the detail. I've had I've had a couple of appointments recently with boomers who have gone on about the idiots who spent too much on their houses and the idiot young kids who spent high at the wrong time. And I remember when it was 17% and I remember when it was this and that. So my, my first problem is this. If a bank says to you, as a 25-year-old, here's a million bucks, Find me a 25-year-old who's only going to spend six or seven hundred thousand, right? That's the first thing. The second thing, you've said they're all multi-generational. We've all grown up with in small houses that we've outgrown because of our kids, but we've had to stay because we could. So the sense of entitlement and the comparison with people, since when is your first home a four-two-and-two two garage with a pool and then you complain because you don't have a backyard? Right? I've got a house on the market at the moment that's $700,000 and people are coming and complaining because, oh, the bedrooms are too small. And I go, well, if you've only got $700,000 to spend, guess what? Yeah. You're going to be buying a house with small bedrooms. So that it's the multi-generational stuff is parents have to uh, go in with their kids to give their kids a two-storey home with three bathrooms and five bedrooms and a, and a full backyard instead of small three-bedroom home to start out, to get on the ladder, to do what they can. And then you've had the bank that said, and that's, that's the people where the bank said you've only got 700. So then the parents are like, oh, we'll kick in another 500. So you can buy a $1.2 million home instead that's of buying, right. that's true. Three, instead of buying a three-bedroom home that would be perfectly fine for you. 
And then you got the other end of the scale where the bank said, here, you go and have $1 million or $1.5 million in, in our Barrera office. I'm saying first home buyers during COVID spent $1.5 million on a knockdown. And now they're screwed because mm -hmm. they couldn't, no, they didn't have, and whether it's they're coming from backgrounds where uh, they had lack, so they've got to have it all, or whether they didn't have the advice, or whether they had the advice, but you, mum and dad, I'm not going to listen to what you tell me. I'm going to spend it all. Like it, it, it's a it's a, a compounding issue that and and go yeah, you could take it as deep as you want. The government's laughing because that's how they're keeping everyone controlled. If you want to go down that route, but if a bank's going to tell you, you got a million bucks, good luck finding someone who's only going to spend five hundred of it when that's all they need. Yeah. Well, they're choosing their future for themselves, aren't they? They're not. It's not being chosen for them. It's chosen by them, right? Uh, but Chris, I give you a million dollars, you're going to only spend 500 of it? They're making the choices, right? And it's the unfortunately entitlement attitude or the once it now pay for it later sort of um, lifestyle that everyone's yeah, been... Systemically, look, we've, we've yeah, just, systemically. I mean, it's changed now where because they they change from, uh, you know, assessing loans at 5% above and then they said, oh, it'll only be 2.5% above what the actual loan rate is. So all of a sudden people's borrowing capacity went up. Now, obviously, people's borrowing capacity is going down. Mm. But I don't, I don't care who you are. In the world we live in today, you know, Instagram and Facebook, you got a half one one million dollars to spend. Looks a lot better on Instagram if you spend a million dollars on a house you don't need versus five hundred and keep five hundred for a rainy day, doesn't it? Well, mm. the, the, the socials, like you're saying, there, Kim, that that's the new keeping up with the Joneses, isn't it? Because everyone looks at social and goes, geez, they've got a pool. We're going to buy us with a pool. Or hang on, they've got a bigger yard. We'll buy, we'll, we'll spend more to get a bigger yard. So the new keeping up with the Joneses is, is the socials. That's the that you get that all the time, you know. And absolutely. And, and how then, do you expect people to save money? Like TL's question was, well, how are you going to tell a kid to save money now? And the bank says, here's a million bucks, go for it. But you know what? I guarantee. You go to any house when you do your um, you do your, your MAs, and all of a sudden, every kid's got a TV, big plasma in their room. They've all got their their, their gaming machines, the PCs, or whatever oh, they no, are. I agree. Mm. Well, we don't do MAs. We only do LAs. <laughs> so, so, uh, so you've done twenty five years in the finance. Uh, are you saying that the the future of our children actually is chosen by us? Hmm. That's a real good question there, Thomas. I, I, I there, there's some truth to that, yeah. Because I think, right. I, you know, like we, you know, you know, you know, the property cycles yourself. I mean, the ink wages hasn't been keeping up as fast as property's been going up. Yeah, the ain't have the four percent, twelve, ten and a half. Mm. You know what? The average punter out there. I, Put it this way, when we when I'm not seeing, but even though we're having this conversation, when I see apps coming through and we're looking at statements, people are asking a lot of questions, but I'm 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 not seeing people come to us and saying, Jace, we can't afford the loan. We can't, it's gonna, we're gonna have to sell the property. That hasn't hit us yet. And that should have hit us maybe two rate rises ago. That's so, and you got they've been saying it's been coming for two years. It has nothing's happened yet. So let's see where how it all plays out. But I would have thought there would have been more activity for clients coming or say, Jace, we're going to have to downsize or we're going to have to cut back on something. Can you, or even can you come and give us some budgeting advice? We're not getting those conversations. 
So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. You look at it yourselves. Are you as as right agents? Are you doing the market appraisals? Are you getting out there to see people that's saying, hey, we need to hit the, the market by spring to offload it before Christmas because there's nothing around here much for sale? Then I'll all back that up. What I'm seeing is um, not the people themselves in particular with the mortgages, but we talked about coffees and stuff like that before. We, I've got quite a few clients at the moment who have small businesses and there's some in cafes, there's some in uh, yeah. golf lessons, there's some in bits and pieces and that is all dried up, mate. People aren't buying the coffees and people aren't going and paying for golf lessons and people aren't doing all that stuff. I think we're, we're right on the brink with that stuff now. Yeah. If, I don't think they'll raise them again now is my prediction. I think it's yeah. there's enough pain. If they were to do that, it'd be absolute carnage. And I think the carnage you're talking about that you haven't seen that yet is only being delayed, mate, because yeah, $2.40 oh, yeah. for a litre of petrol and, and all that stuff, people are, people. there's a lot of pain and people are hanging yeah. on. But what I'm seeing is people hanging on. They're not... They haven't got to the point yet where they'll say to you, I can't afford my loan. And unfortunately, because we're human beings, usually by the time you say that, it's too late. Yeah. They're yeah. not coming to your advice on how they can keep their house. They're going, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. You're and right I think on that. Too, we're starting to see quite a few investors start to sell up their investment properties because the legislation around rentals now is that the rent can only be put up once in a 12-month period for rent yeah. return. So you know, the, the rents can't go up as fast as the interest rates have. And mm. so they've leveled out now. And, and and a lot of people that took the advantage of the increase, they did so in a large chunk of $100 yeah. at a time. Um, but $100 at a time, if you've got a million dollar loan, well, that's that's chump change, isn't it? Really, it's not making any dent in, in the repayments that are now required. So we're starting to see a little bit of those type properties hit the market. Lots more, you know, I, I must have taken on probably five or six of our own rental properties that we manage currently in the last four weeks, you know, so it's a trend that I'm noticing. Um, but like Cam said, I, d- I don't know. I, we're on the cusp, I think. Yeah. Right. Well, we're talking about this mortgage cliff, right, which is basically a mortgage prism. So we're, you're hearing this sort of language at the moment, and that's based on uh, clients over the last two years that take out, that took out the rates at 198, you know, 189, and they're coming up now in the next six months to eight, nine months where we should see a lot of that filter through and they're going to be going, okay, I'm going at 1.982% 2%, and I'm jumping straight up to 6%. That's a massive jump. So whether it's being delayed, I don't know, but they're, they're, there's a lot of talk about that. But go back to what you're saying, Cam. You know what? You watch the you watch the TV and the footy this weekend. I guarantee every stadium is going to be packed out. How much is that per head? I go down. I'll argue with you on that because it's yeah. it's twenty bucks a head in a lot of cases, and sport is one of the great escapes, mate. Sport is what sport is what the Romans used to put on in a coliseum to distract the masses from the pain. No, I'm being deadly serious. Sport it. is sport is not a good indicator, mate. If, if someone's struggling, we talk about. Jesus Christ, I did a listing appointment the other day. They sat there and talked about how they're both riddled with lung cancer while they're puffing away cigarettes. People <laughs> can't afford to do basic life stuff, but they'll still buy cigarettes and a carton of beer. They're still going to go to the footy right. because sport is the great escape, mate. The great escape. 
and they will that will be one of the last bastions to go. They're giving up their coffees before they stop going to the footy. And when you dig down into it, 75,000 people at Homebush isn't a great sign of the economy when you find out they've given half the tickets away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, I know even, even us when we go and go to Crying, mate, all the restaurants are all packed. They're still packed. Yeah. Where are you? I'm in the in Cronulla, Southern yeah. Shore. Well, that's where you, Denola's there eating most of the food. <laughs> listen, I don't, oh, listen, I'm not, I've never been a doom and gloom merchant ever. Oh, I'm no, 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 I'm not, no, 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 no. But I've sold houses to people over the last couple of years, especially where they're not borrowing 80 or 70%, they're borrowing 95%, right? And they, they were given that money on the basis that interest rates weren't going to go for a time. They were getting a lot of overtime at work. People in the construction industry who paid $1.4 million for a house in carry-on last year got given the money based on their overtime, the construction industry shit itself because no one can afford to build anymore. His overtime's gone, he's screwed. Yeah. Right? That is happening everywhere and it just hasn't reached the point yet where they're all putting their houses on the market. But yeah. I've never done more appointments. I've never done more appraisals. The amount of stock that's about to hit the market is going to be huge. And the amount of pain people are in, like... I've got a mate here who won't even buy a frigging real barbecue because he's he's worried about what's going on in the world at the moment. There's, it's coming, man. It's it's a hundred percent coming, and that's not that's not doom and gloom. That's just the pain I'm seeing on people. And if they're not feeling that pain in the shy, I'm I'm really happy. I don't want people to be going through pain. I don't. We don't want that. Yeah. But to sit there and go, it's not coming, and 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 the pain's not there. I'm not I'm not seeing I'm seeing the exact opposite. The exact opposite. But people, here's the thing. I saw um yellow brick. Mark Burris said when interest rates first going up, he did a he, he did an interview with someone and he said, Listen, my best advice is do not let get pride get in the way. Do not hang on until it's too late. Your house, that's bricks and mortar. Your home, that's where your heart is and all that stuff. Your memories, they go with you. When you start feeling the pain and it starts to become too much, sell it and get out. And unfortunately, as I said before, they're not only going to come to you for financial advice once they're already buried, Just They're not going to ask for it because who wants to rock in? Oh, hi, I'm screwed. Can you help me? They're not... They're not lining up at bloody, they're not lining up outside your door to tell you that they're starting to struggle, mate, because it's not, you don't fight through what you fought through. You don't build what you built. You don't finally get your first home or your second home. You don't finally give your kids their dream home. What about the people who have bought their second home and they finally give the kids the backyard they want, the pool they want? How are they going to admit that they can't afford it anymore? Mm. How are they going to go and tell their kids until it's until it's absolute? dire straits, how are they going to go and tell their kids that they can't do it anymore? Mm. That's why we're not seeing it. The effect we're on the we're on the you we're on the edge. Lou said the cusp, we are right on the edge. If if mm. one more thing yeah. costs more to live, it's going there's going to be carnage, absolute carnage in, in all that. And we cover my business is covered 120 kilometers. I'm not talking about one suburb. Mm. About mm. the whole corridor, the pain that's there is is real. And it's, 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 but it's funny that it's funny that Jason doesn't see it. Mm, yeah, we you, you may be selling house, but he's the one giving you the money. Yeah, you know what well, we we're doing a lot of reef. There's a lot of reef eyes out there, and they yeah. go one, one lender to another. But that's 
you know, some of these guys, you know, like I say, they're coming off the low rates and they're reassessing the whole position and, and it's just, okay, what do we do the next, what's, what's the next move or what's the next step? So pricing for us is a big one. So we're doing a lot of pricing and rate, rate reviews, which is, which is all part of the, the, the package. But um, I've got to say, I, I, so wouldn't the amount, saying, Cam, so wouldn't the fact that, wouldn't the fact that, and I got an email from another brokerage firm today saying um, refinances are up 13% over the last month, or I can't get the exact time frame. Yeah. Wouldn't the fact that so many people are trying to refinance be an indicator of pain? Not really, because what it is, is that they're coming off a, a, a low, but a lot of those will be coming off their low fixed rate. So whether at, say it's 2%, whether they stay with a lender or they want to shop around, it's 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 going to move from from one lender to another unless the lender they're with is going to reduce their 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 variable rates and and I've got guys now I'm going to the bank and saying we're going to refinance these clients if you do not come to the party I've got clear instructions we're going to pick up the loan and move it elsewhere and one of the lenders today I had him today they said Jace we we can't do anything about it if they go they go and I'm saying so you're happy to let a good client been with you four or five years walk out the door and chase new business that's hard to get and they have to do that isn't that an indication of pain that's an indication that's an indication of pain across the whole area though Mm. yeah but um, people aren't trying to refinance because they're happy paying more and people aren't happy to let clients go because I could show you bank statements made of clients at the moment and you would go far out. Why are they still going out? Why why are they going out three, four nights a week? Why are they buying I get it. eight, ten coffees a week? Why is this up? Why are the subscriptions still there? If they're really feeling that pain, let's bring it to the table and let's look at where we can save the family home. You know, if like you can go, save I'm going to three hundred bucks a week. Oh, sorry, two or three hundred dollars per month. Over time, that's going to pay for some of these 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 rate rises that they've hit. Yeah, but that's so a different about priorities. It goes back to need and want. And I'm not yeah. saying that the cliff the cliff is going to come. There will be something come through. But we lived through the GFC that lasts of eighteen months, and then what happened after that? We're there. we you know it, it grew. Price yeah, I'm not saying we're not going to live, man. I'm not saying it's the end of the world, but you're saying you haven't seen the. You started off by saying you haven't seen the pain. Where is pain there, man? Yeah. And I, I, think, I, you know, I, I probably won't see it either. Um, maybe I maybe I'm totally wrong. This is why I, I wanted to know the psychology of the uh, finance. I believe we live in a uh, generation where all of us here, the five of us, I guarantee you. Uh, may have endured a uh, tougher lifestyle than our kids, for sure. We would sacrifice and do everything so that they have it. And I would say my big claim is that should they have a house and go through financial problem, we would do something to make sure they're out of it. Something that maybe our parents haven't done for us. Mm-hmm. And so this is why I ask you, are we weakening then our kids by designing the future for them? Because no one around here, even if their children were 15, 18 or anything, do you know, paying board is something that I haven't heard in the last many years, right? Where when I first arrived to Australia, everyone was doing like rental board, but like you're 14, you're working, you paid board at home. I am going, yep. that is disgusting. How could you do this to your kids? Mate, these days they go home, they open the fridge, there's no coke, they go, there's no coke. 
Mm. And, and you look at it as you feel guilty because there's no confidence. You know? <laughs> so I can guarantee you when the cliff arrives, the parents will do what in Europe they've been doing, which is the parents use their equity to get the kids out. Jason's already said it. You said it earlier. You, you're doing yeah. record numbers of multi-generational stuff, and that's what I'm saying. That's indicating... No, that's, pulling, that's pulling money together, Cam. That's different. Pulling money together, that's an invention that the Vietnamese have done like a few thousand years yeah, ago. Yeah, but it's to avoid the pain for the kids. The kids can't afford to buy a house, so here I'll sell up. I've worked hard my whole life. I'll sell up. We finally got to a position where we want to be, but so you can get into a house that you haven't worked in the position to get yourself, we'll sell up and help you buy that's that's an indicator. It's not a. You won't see the pain seal because it's been covered up by all that stuff, and that stuff is going to run out. Then, then no, maybe, maybe they agree with Jason about the, the fact that the cliff will be avoided that way. And you know what? It goes It'll back. Be a steep we we are we deprive our children the opportunity of struggle because mm. soon as they feel pain, what does mum mm. and dad do? Rescue. We buy them out of the pain. We buy the pain. Yeah. And you're right, you nailed it. We buy the pain. Exactly right. And that, that is exactly why, you know, I I thought about when we, we were talking about that earlier in the podcast, when that, that subject came up. And I thought exactly what we said, we, we do everything to protect our kids, yet talking about Jason's um, upbringing and a little bit of my own, and I know we've all had our own ways, it's the beauty and the adversity that we had to face that made us who we are, you know, and yet we deprive our kids of that because part of us always wants to protect them and give them a life that we never had, but we don't realize, you know, it frustrates me so much when I see these parents, they go buy their kids, their first car and that first car is 40 grand or 20 <laughs> grand. And I think, are you kidding? Like my first car might've been 300 bucks yeah. and lasted a month. You know what I mean? But this is the thing, like our kids don't, not that I've bought my kids cars, but a lot of kids don't know the struggle and 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 it's the beauty of the struggle that makes you who you are today correct it's well, funny we're, getting, we're, getting to the end. we're getting to the end so what, what i'd like to do is maybe just to have a bit of a, a question here who who thinks that we design our own future okay and who thinks that you know it's designed for us Okay, then Lou, what, what are you? You're in between, you're on the fence? I'm on the fence. I think there's yes. a lot of things that happen that that we get to choose our future and there's a lot of things that happen that sort of choose our future for us, yes. Okay, oh well, thank you so much, uh, Jason, for being here. I, I think that um, one of the things I really was inspired by is how you're a fighter and mm. you have determined very well that it's not the condition you're born in that determines your future, that you actually have some sense of freedom in choosing your path. And, and I think that, that you're really uh, the, um, uh, reasserting the line that, you know, that I think it, it was in Rocky, that you need to do everything you can, the best you can until the uh, destiny reveals itself to you. Mm. Mm. So I thank you so much for today. And uh, I hope, I hope somehow you can be that uh, light beam for your youngest brother and somehow along the way, get him to the next level of himself. Thank you very much team for today.
No problem, Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.